Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Hallmark Heartbeats, a podcast all about Hallmark movies. I am your host, Camille. The next two episodes, we take the time to review the first two movies of the One Winter Trilogy, titled One Winter Weekend and One Winter Proposal. Hallmark Channel had just recently released the third and final movie, titled One Perfect Wedding, of the series. I thought it is the perfect time to look back and review the first two movies. Starring Taylor Cole, Jack Turner, Rukia Bernard, and Duchesne Williams. Background of the movie, two sets of friends double book a chalet in Clara Lake and we watch as they fall in love. In the beginning of One Winter Weekend, Kara, who is played by Taylor Cole, is a relationship advice columnist for a magazine, and Megan is an assistant to the editor. I liken Kara to Kate Hudson's character in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. After breaking up with her boyfriend on New Year's Day, when she caught him kissing another girl, Kara had sworn off dating and agreed to go on vacation with her friend, Megan, in Clara Lake. While Kara was there, her boss decided to give her another article, another assignment to write. Megan is Kara's friend and co-worker. She's an assistant to the editor of the magazine. While Megan was at Clara Lake, her boss asked her to find candidates for the new position recently opened up of operations manager. During Megan's time at Clara Lake, she goes through self-reflection and realizes she is qualified for the job. While there, and with the help of Kara, Megan realizes she has never looked at herself as someone who is qualified. This reminds me very strongly of when Sandra O oh was interviewed for her role in Killing Eve, Sandra said as she was looking through the script. She called her manager asking, for what role is she reading? When her manager told her it was for Eve Palastri, Sandra realized she had been playing the supportive role, the best friend of the main character, all this time. When opportunity arises for her to play the lead role, she didn't recognize it. She didn't see herself taking that role. I feel a lot of times the BIPOC community, the Black, Indigenous, People of Color community especially, have been forced to fit in a box by society, the box of leading lady's best friend, the box of a supportive role, the box of the assistant, but never the boss. Sometimes it is difficult for us to see ourselves outside of that role. It's hard for us to recognize the opportunity we have of taking the lead, being the boss. We should do better. We should see ourselves in a better light. Ben Livingston, played by Jack Turner, is the founder and CEO of Scion Company, a big snowboarding company that makes limited series snowboards. Ben had been in the press recently due to an ugly breakup with an Olympic hopeful ex-girlfriend. Due to this, he has been trying to remain a recluse, hiding from the press. His board of directors have been wanting him to stay out of the press so it doesn't look bad for the company. Ben, as we find out through the movie, also has a heart of gold. Clara Lake has a camp for underprivileged children to come up and learn how to snowboard. 
Cyan Company, with encouragement from Ben, decided to sponsor a camp called Camp Snow and donate sideboards for a charity auction raising money for the kids. The event planner had asked Ben to attend the auction, knowing full well it would get more money. Ben, despite his reservations due to the press, finally agreed, seeing as it would help the children. Sean, played by DeShane Williams, is a surgical resident and Ben's close friend. He had gone to Clara Lake with no intention of thinking about work. From the very beginning, the word work was never to be mentioned in Sean's presence. There was also major sparks between him and Megan from the beginning. Sean and Megan bonded over a sprained wrist in Trivia Night. When Sean ran into Megan while snowboarding and un- unintentionally hit her coming down the hill, Sean took her phone because it could aggravate her wrist even more. Throughout the movie, Ben and Carol bonded over two things, mystery books and snowboarding. Kara had recently just been accepted to Berkeley's Creative Writing Grad Program and was debating leaving her cushy job to join a master's program. I believe the apprehension is 100% understandable. To leave a stable income, a job that she was good at, to pursue something that might not have the results she is hoping for takes courage. Leaping into the unknown, sometimes with no backup plan. Another mystery has also propped up during their time at the chalet. Ben. Who is this man who gets welcome baskets from the hotel, has secret deliveries of limited edition snowboards in the middle of the night? Who is this man who has whispered conversations with a party planner for the hotel? The more Kara hung out with Ben, the more intrigued she was of this handsome chalet mate, the one whose wine charm was the elusive sunglasses, which Kara interpreted as meaning he was something to hide. Kara chose the pineapple as her wine charm, so I honestly don't think she has room to talk. Prickly on the outside, sweet on the inside. As the movie went on, you could clearly tell Ben and Kara started to follow each other. He was inspired to ask the event planner if he could bring a plus one to the charity auction, which she gladly affirmed. I truly think she was hoping to be his plus one, but instead he raced his snowmobile and met with Kara instead. Kara accepted the invite and went to the chalet to change. Okay, let's talk about that dress. Taylor Cole is a beautiful woman, no doubt about that, but short mini dress, deep plunging neckline in the middle of winter, freezing cold? Uh, How did Kara not turn into an icicle when she walked outside. Also, where did she find that dress? I don't know about anybody else here, but I personally wouldn't have packed that type of dress to a ski resort unless I'd known beforehand I was going to do something fancy. So did Kara pack that just in case? Or what? I mean, crazy. So Ben and Karen go to the auction, and as predicted, the bids for the boards were going up. There was one local photographer there, which left Ben apprehensive, but the event planner reassured him it was just local press. Nothing big. He did end up taking a candid photo of Karen and Ben, which quickly went on the internet. And the problems began. 
Karen's boss happened to be in her office that night and see the photo of Ben and Kara. She, being the good editor that she is, obviously recognizes Ben from all the tabloids about him and his ex. She immediately calls Kara, interrupting a special moment between the two, to tell her about Ben. Up to this point, Ben had kept his true identity from Kara. All she knew was that he's a nice guy who works for the snowboarding company and detests getting his pictures taken. She seemed quite shocked to hear from her boss that he was a lover boy. A publicist at Scion called Ben at the same time to inform him Kara is part of the press, that she was a dating advice guru. How board of directors for a snowboarding company could know what a advice columnist looks like is beyond me. And more so, how did Kara not know about the stories of Ben and his ex? She's part of the press, correct? At least gone to the grocery store once. Ben, in a very ungentlemanly move, leaves Clara at the auction and starts packing his stuff at the chalet, ready to leave without a, so much as a goodbye. Kara's boss decides to switch up the topic of the article from the dating clients and instead wants Kara to write an expose on Ben. The boss sends a headline for Kara to write her article about. Is That just seems so suspect. I have never heard of the editor writing, choosing the headline for the writer without her input. You would think that it was the writers who chose the headline, not the editor. It seems suspect. Hallmark has done a lot of these journalistic integrity storylines before. I mean, look at Chasing Waterfalls. Just as Ben is about to leave and Kara arrives at the chalet, electricity goes out. Ben and Kara start a fire in the fireplace and have a chat about the night's revelations. Kara promises Ben she wouldn't write a story about him at all. Ben explains that he didn't want to leave, but the board of directors told him to. Most people tend to think the more powerful you are, the richer you are, the freer you get. And that's true in many instances. But for examples like this, not always the case. Just before the night is over, Kara decides to send her article to the boss with the headline she didn't choose. Have I met a CEO thanks to the dating class? She used Ben's laptop for this. Like, seriously, that article headline sucks. It gives off the energy that Kara is a gold digger and snagged a guy, the rich guy. I mean, like, ew, gross, cringy, ugh. When the power finally went back on, Ben saw the email and read the headlines without reading the article, without reading the rest of the email, without waiting for an explanation from Kara, he just storms off and leaves Kara alone. I don't understand why he didn't read the headline. All he read was the subject line of the email. Open that email up. Look at, read the rest of it. Don't jump to the conclusions. Oh my God, Ben. Uh, just 
horrible, 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 horrible. During this whole night of mysteries unraveling with Ben and Kara, let's talk about the other half of the quartet, Megan and Sean. They went to trivia night while Ben and Carol went to the auction. They had fun and totally killed it. They won trivia night. When the electricity went out, they got stuck at the lodge and got to know each other better. They only lived a couple of blocks away from each other. They went to the same stores, same coffee shops, same movie theater. They just never ran into each other. They both agreed to see each other once more when they returned to Seattle. On her way back to Seattle, Kara drives because it's a way to distract herself from Ben, and also because Megan's wrist is still taped up. Megan has her phone back and had hundreds of missed calls and voicemails from her boss. She calls back her boss and wants to know if there is space available for one more interview. The boss asks for whom. Megan replies, me. It broke my heart seeing the look of shock on the boss's face. She admitted to have never seen Megan in that way before, which is heartbreaking. I don't want to bring race into this, but it did have me wondering if Megan was white, would her boss have been as shocked that she wanted to be interviewed for the promotion. Megan had been working as an assistant for years, managing the editor's wants and needs, setting up appointments, setting up dates, etc. It is quite disappointing that the boss never saw her anything past assistant. Again, I wonder if Megan was white, would her boss have been more open to that possibility? It genuinely is sad that people don't see us in higher positions and as people of color, as women. When others don't see us in higher positions, we should step up and make them see us, make them hear us. Kara also goes back to the office and we find out about the article she wrote to her boss. You know, the one with the cringy headline. It wasn't an expose on Ben. It was her two weeks notice. Kara chose to pursue the grad program in Berkeley over her job. Yay, Kara. Ben finally opens up the email Kara sent her boss and reads the two weeks notice. He has major egg in his face. He messages Kara wanting to see her at the coffee shop. He waits for her there in the mystery book section where Kara shows up. He admits that he wasn't sure she would be there. She wasn't sure either. Ben tells Kara he quit Scion Company, a company he founded, a company he started. He says that she inspired him to take the leap because she's taking the leap to join the grad program for a better life, for more control. He thought he would, should do the same. Ben says, I started one snowboarding company. 
I can't. I could start another. Ben apologizes for jumping to conclusions of treating Kara like crap. And Kara forgave him. They kiss and happily ever after. Thoughts on this movie. I love the chemistry between the four actors. I could totally buy that Ben and Sean were best friends. And I could also totally buy that Kara and Megan were best friends. I also be- believed the chemistry between Ben and Kara as well as Megan and Sean. I personally preferred Megan and Sean's chemistry over Kara and Ben's because theirs was fun. It wasn't full of mystery and deceit and secrets. It was just fun and joyful and challenging. They challenged each other. I also loved Megan's reflection, self-reflection and setting up to, for herself to her boss. Submissus. I wish Kara wasn't the white savior for Megan. I don't mean to sound rude, but I wish Megan had seen her own potential and her own faults and realized she was worthy without Kara showing it to her. I feel that is would have made it just perfect. I wish there was more Sean. I loved him. He was fun, he was quirky, he had chemistry with all the people around him. I just wish that we had known Sean, gotten to know Sean more than just being a doctor, than just being a surgical resident. I also didn't like Ben. Ben, the way Ben treated Kara, it was horrible. I understand how I wanted to introduce conflict, but there's got to be a better way than having him walk out of the party and act and throw a temper tantrum. I mean, like, how do you only read the subject line of an email and jump to conclusions without reading the email? It's just uh crazy. I, for one winter weekend, I give three and three quarters stars out of five. I thought it was the best movie of the three. I love the underlying storylines when it came to Megan's journey. I love the chemistry. It was a good start. No wonder Hallmark did two more movies. In conclusion... You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn, and Alexa, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Follow us on all social media platforms, our Instagram page, Hallmark Heartbeats, Facebook page, Hallmark Heartbeats Podcast, and Twitter, Hallmark Heartbeat One. Buy us a coffee on www.buymeacoffee.com slash hmarkheartbeats. Again, www.buymeacoffee.com slash hmarkheartbeats. We have never released podcasts, behind-the-scenes news, as well as raw, unedited footage of our interviews on 
buy me a coffee. Minimum is $5. All links are on our link tree, which is in our bio. The next podcast will be about the second movie of the Hallmark's One Winter Trilogy, One Winter Proposal, a movie that follows Ben and Kara to their engagement and Sean and Megan to the journey of finding love in each other. So, until next week, this is Camille. Thank you for listening. Bye.